This is Educate for Life with Kevin Conover on AM 1170, The Answer. Educate for Life, a look at current events from today's headlines and how they affect you. What you believe shapes your worldview and your ultimate destiny. Learn more now at educateforlife.com. Now, in studio, here is your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego, every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. You can also stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website is educateforlife.org. I want to start off the show tonight by talking about a decision. This was a House Judiciary Committee report. It was made March 27th, 1854. And there was a controversy over chaplains in the military. It says that after a full year of exploring the possibility of removing chaplains from the military and removing Christian principles from government, the House Judiciary Committee declared, had the people, that is the founding fathers, during the revolution, a suspicion of any attempt to war against Christianity, that revolution would have been strangled in its cradle. At the time of the adoption of the Constitution and its amendments, the universal sentiment was that Christianity should be encouraged, but not any one denomination or sect. The report continued, in this age, there is no substitute for Christianity. That was the religion of the founders of the Republic, and they expected it to remain the religion of their descendants. Two months later, they added, the great vital and conservative element in our system What holds our system together is the belief of our people in the pure doctrines and the divine truths of the gospel of Jesus Jesus Christ. That is from the House Judiciary Committee report, March 27th, 1854. Not something you hear about too often. And right now in our in our culture, there's a lot of controversy over what should and should not be said. And and uh, I thought it would be really interesting to have some chaplains from the military on the show this evening. And I'm very privileged to have John Feinberg. He's been a Navy chaplain for six years, three years with the Marines in Okinawa, and three years here in San Diego with the Helicopter Sea Combat Wing Pacific. Prior to being in the Navy, he served as a youth and missions and associate pastor in inner city Los Angeles for nine years, and currently he's very busy, married with four kids. Uh, John, all under the age of... Four. Four. All under the (laughs) age of four. Four kids under four. That's intense. Yes, sir. <laughs> John, thanks a lot for being on the show this evening. Thank you. And just a quick correction. Yeah. John Freiberg. Freiberg. I'm sorry. I, I wish I was John Feinberg. Okay. I'm not quite that <laughs> smart. Okay. But, uh, Freiberg. John Freiberg. No I apologize. It I apologize. happens a lot. Just, just like Fry Hamburger. Okay. And, and the other fellow here uh, talking in the background is uh, Bob Freiberg, his father. And Bob, thanks a lot for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Kev. Bob and John are a father and son uh, chaplains, and that's not something you see that often. They're in the Navy, both as chaplains. Bob is an active-duty Navy chaplain. He serves as the command chaplain at Miramar uh, Marine Corps Air Station. His military duties as Navy chaplain included combat and operational tours with the Navy, Navy SEALs, Marines, and Coast Guard. He's got a million stories, and I'm really excited to allow him to share some of those tonight. Um, he's also had the opportunity to teach, preach, and pray the gospel of Christ with over a million military 
civilian, both foreign and domestic personnel in over 30 countries. Incredible. Um, he's been on aircraft carriers out in the Iraqi desert. He's been on, on Humvees, not an aircraft carrier in the Iraqi desert. That would be weird. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, And he's been married for 38 years. He's also an adjunct professor at Southern California Seminary associated with Shadow Mountain Church and uh, a huge uh, been been a serving in the military for a long time and also serving as a professor out there. So, guys, again, thanks for being on the show. I wanted to start off by asking you, um, you know, this report that came out in 1854, what is your view of chaplains in the military? There's a lot of people out there that think to themselves, hey, what about the whole separation of church and state? You're, pay- you're paid by the government, um, and, you're- and yet you've shared Christ with so many people. Uh, we-, we get that question uh, quite often. But first of all, let me just kind of tell you, we're not here as official representatives of the United States Navy or the military chaplaincy and all that. We're just kind of telling and, and sharing our story and some of the things that we've done and gone through that uh, perhaps can other, encourage other people that are in the military that are Christians. Um, the question that you have is a r- real valid one. If you go back to 1775, uh, Congress, that's when the chaplain corps initially started. Congress knew that when you go out on a ship, you can't... Uh, stop off at your local church in the middle of the ocean. So what they did is that's why they have chaplains. And so uh, chaplains ever since, uh, we were the actually the second corps that was ever voted in. The first corps in the Navy was that was voted in were, was, were the Marines. And then after they had the Marines, they figured, well, you know, we've got to, we certainly have to have and, and provide for some kind of religious freedom of these people to express their faith. So then that's why they ended up having the chaplain corps. And uh, uh, because the nation is basically, they don't want to, uh, they basically don't want to back up one specific denomination. So what they do is they uh, uh, they go to the civilian sector, and uh, that's why in the chaplain corps, I think we have something like 150 different denominations that are uh, that are represented. So in other words, uh, we come from all walks, you know, the inner city, the you know, the suburbs, the uh, you know, the rural areas, and so we're we're from all the background of America. As yeah. chaplains. Now, um, when you are serving in the military and, and you said you have 150 different denominations, are you including denominations outside of Christianity also? And uh, do, you ever, do you ever help people that aren't of uh, the same religion as you? Okay. Well, that's, that's a couple of questions right there. Yeah. First of all, um, well, um, the answer is yes and yes. Okay. Uh, what we do is basically, I would say about 95% of the people that are, um, that are chaplains are, are professing Christian. Okay. But again, you, that's a huge broad spectrum. You know, you've got very liberal chaplains, you've got very conservative chaplains. But we also have other denominations. Uh, you know, we've got a couple Muslim, we've got some Jewish, we've got, uh, uh, I know we had a Buddhist, but um, I think that, uh, that chaplain got out of the military a couple of years ago. But anyways... Yeah, we've we've got pretty much it's it's a cross broad spectrum of America. Yeah. And we've got that in in the Chaplain Corps too. Now the question is is do we do do we provide services to everybody? Mm. And the answer is yes, okay? Um, when we do a worship service, uh, like I I'm the uh, Protestant chaplain at Miramar. I preach and teach just like a Baptist preacher. I get up there and the service is, is that way and and so I'm able to preach and teach whatever I want. Now, what happens, though, during the week uh, when people come in, uh, we, do, we do a large, uh, large amount of counseling. And so when people come in, 
They can be an atheist. They can be agnostic. They can be, you know, any other religion, stuff like that. And uh, most of the questions that they that they have basically are just, you know, everybody has those kind of questions. You know, they're, they're going through depression. They're going through, you know, they're having marital problems. They're having all sorts of things. They're having command issues. Yeah. And you see, as a chaplain, what happens, they come in, first of all, is we provide something that nobody else does. Because when they come in and we close that door, it's completely confidential. Okay? There's no disclosures that they have to sign. And if they say certain things, like other counselors, what happens is they're mandatory reporters for certain events. But you see what happens, it's a good, safe environment. They come in, and under the auspices of uh, basically, uh, basically of the confidentiality, we're able to, to peel the onion on what's really bothering them. Mm. And as, as we're doing that, it's a safe area, and they know they're not going to get reported because there's a lot of other people that if they go to counselors, the other ones, if they, they start talking about certain things, they're going to be reported, and they can possibly go to jail and be prosecuted. So the chaplain has this kind of um, almost kind of like a, a counselor would in a way where they, they have a confidentiality uh, that allows uh, security and safety for the person that's – completely. Yeah. Completely. Okay. Yeah. Now I was going to ask um, John uh, if you wanted to add to that, but do you guys have to get a, some sort of a professional uh, counseling degree of some sort, or how does that work? Uh, well, just to add uh, one more thing to what my dad said. Sure. Um, you know, if if someone came who was another faith group of than what we are, and wanted uh, some particular you know, faith ritual or something done for them, provided for them. Yeah. Um, one of our jobs is to help facilitate that, you know, so I'm not going to lead a Buddhist meditation service, but if there's a Buddhist chaplain or if there's a, a Buddhist temple down the road, I can connect them and point them to there, you know. So part of our job is to to protect the First Amendment rights to to freedom of religion for all. And facilitate. Sort, and to facilitate it, yeah. right. And they wouldn't want us to do those kinds of things for them if we weren't from that faith group anyway that makes sense right? yeah so um well i want to get to this other question yeah. uh you guys i know are going to have a ton of stories to share i'm very uh, very excited to hear your stories but uh, my guests tonight are bob and john freeberg both military freiberg freiberg hamburger. there you go <laughs> freiberg are both military chaplains and uh and serving currently as chaplains in the military both dedicated christians so stay with us we'll be right back What do leading local restaurants have in common? They depend on Express Fix Coffee for new and used coffee and espresso machines, repairs, and affordable monthly service. Dave Martin and his local team provide water filtration services too. Call San Diego's best espresso repair company, serving your home and business. Learn more online at expressfixcoffee.com. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. 619-867-3853. Hi, this is Jason Hall president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. 
Add historic American beauty to your home today with genuine Amish furniture. It's built in the USA from solid cherry wood with a bourbon finish. Or choose alternative woods and finishes to accent your home's decor. You'll find it all at Tucker's Valley Furniture. For over 65 years, the Tucker family has served San Diego County. Still family-owned, Cash and Carry and Tucker's Valley Furniture. Two stores, both right across the street at Main and Mollison in El Cajon. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. I will cast my cares on you. You're the anchor of my hope, the only one who's in control. I will cast Thanks for listening today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My two guests this evening are a father-son uh, duo here, John Freiberg and Bob Freiberg. And uh, Bob is the father, John is the son. Both military chaplains served, a lot of experience in the military. And um, I wanted to start off, uh, Bob, by asking you, uh, you, were, you were referencing Benjamin Franklin and the start of the chaplain, uh, chaplains in the military. And uh, what were you saying about that? Well, essentially what happens uh, when it comes to the Constitution and Christianity, people always say and use the argument, and this has basically been a recent argument. You know, they say, well, you know, since the Constitution doesn't mention anything about Christianity, therefore, you know, religion is just not a part of it. Well, if you actually go through and read about the minutes, and you have the re- reading from uh, James Madison, he's the only one that was there that wrote about it, and he's got a book about, you know, about three inches, four inches thick, and he talks the whole story. And they were at an impasse, and in this impasse, basically, um, they didn't know what to do. So finally, Benjamin Franklin got off his beer. Uh, it's it's a it's a little it's a little place where he was just laying down because he was he was uh, he was very very old, so he couldn't stand up and stay up much. So he got up, and of course, when he said, everybody listened, and this is basically what he said. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase, and I always use this to people that use that argument because what happened is he got up and he said that when we were going through the American Revolution, we prayed and got up. Every single day, and we prayed that, that the Father of Lights, which is, of course, a quote from James, he said, we prayed that the Father of Lights would, would help us, we would go through, and we would, we would win the day. And he said, uh, a day didn't go by that we didn't pray. And he says, now all of a sudden what happened is, you know, we have a country, we're not doing this. And he was, then he said the famous quote where he says, God is concerned about the affairs of men. And because of that, he proposed that every single session of Congress, uh, you know, the House, and, and at that time it was the Senate, yeah, that it starts off with a prayer. And that's why to this day, the exact same thing goes on. And this was part of the Constitutional Convention that, that they did. And so it became part of the wolf and fabric of, 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 of the uh, congressional record. Now, the other thing that I, that I want people to know and understand is that Every sing, even though the federal constitution doesn't say anything about it, every single state constitution, if you go through and Google it, doesn't matter, even Hawaii and, and uh, you know, the more liberal states and, and the more recent ones, they mention deity mm. in, in, in there. You know, it says we, we've come together. Some of them mention, you know, God by name. Some of them, uh, if I remember right, a couple of them a- actually mentioned Jesus Christ. And this is really because mm. the federal government wasn't to take a position on religion, but that didn't mean the states couldn't. Yeah, that was part of it. But the thing is, is that's a fallacious uh, argument that, you know, the Constitution doesn't talk and, and address government. Now, the whole idea why we're here is because uh, as chaplains, you know, the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law for the establishment 
establishment of a religion. And what that essentially is saying is we're not going to have a church-state relationship like the Church of England. That's what it originally historically meant. Yeah. It didn't mean that, you know, we're going to drop kick God out of the, the public affair. So anyways, um, uh, the second part is nor prohibit the free exercise thereof. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're here is because you take away the First Amendment right of all the sailors, of all the Marines and everything. You put them, you put them on these ships. You, you go to a place where they can't go to the local church. They don't have any place to worship. So that's why we're there. So in a way, if that if that if you were not there, that would almost be taking away their ability to uh, exercise that First Amendment exactly. right is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah. Now, um, so, John, you you graduated from Christian high school. Uh, were you, how long, how did you know you wanted to become a military chaplain? Uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. It's a long story. <laughs> Um, was that see. was that something you knew, or was that something negative? That <laughs> <laughs> Last thing he wanted to be was a chaplain yeah, like that's that. That's right. That's right. Yeah, a lot of people say like, "Oh, you're just doing the uh, family business there," but uh, that's not the case. Not at all. Um, so, in fact, sh- I discouraged sh- it. All right. Short version is, uh, I was a punk when I was a kid. I uh, I hated everything. I hated God. I hated. Uh, I hated my family. I hated my dad. I hated the military because the military, you know, took my dad away from me a lot of times. Um, even though I hated my dad, um, so you hated him. So that love-hate relationship. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I was uh, I was just a, a, a punk, and I came to uh, Christian High, and I continued to be a punk there. And uh, in fact, I think I got suspended in, like my second week. It took it took one week, <laughs> and I got the phone call. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so through the faithfulness of one of my Bible teachers and his son, specifically, uh, Derek Bruninger, um, who's Paul's brother. So, oh, wow. Um, Paul's teaching there now, too. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Anyways, um, he led me to the Lord uh, my senior year. And so at that point, you know, my whole life changed. Um, my, the whole direction of my life changed. And uh, I had a love for the Lord. Um, he wasn't just a uh, ticket out of hell that I kind of assented to. Um, he was he was my Lord. He was my king that I wanted to serve. And so I went to college up in Los Angeles and uh, during that time got involved in inner city ministry and still wasn't clear I wanted to be in ministry full time. But through that, uh, through that church in, in Los Angeles, um, just fell in love with ministry and um, was there for quite a while and was mainly working with uh, gang youth. And, uh, you know, they, we'd reach out to them. They'd come into our youth group, and then eventually we, we basically started a English congregation out of, out of uh, second-generation immigrants. Who, um, But then a lot of them, to escape the city, were joining the military, and uh, specifically the Marine Corps. And uh, they would... They'd write back to me. We'd stay in touch and, and tell me about how hard it is mm. um, being away from their church, being away from uh, people that were going to disciple them in the word and, and encourage them. And so kind of my heart for military ministry grew. And then obviously, you know, through that time, um, my relationship with my dad got a lot better. And, uh, yeah, one thing led to another. And it's, it's a season. I don't think I'm going to make a career out of it like my dad has. Um, eventually, we want to go overseas and do uh, missions work, uh, my wife and I. 
Uh, so within the next couple of years is probably what we're moving towards. But what uh, part of uh, what part of the world? Southeast Asia is as specific as I can get on okay. on the air. I, I um, hear you. Yeah. Yeah, but we've uh, we've already made some steps towards that. So excited about that. But um, for for what it's been, it's been a great opportunity. Yeah. To to just love people, share share the gospel with them, and and in your experience, <clears throat> are the are the men served well by having somebody that they can go to and and uh, I mean, do you feel that there would be a big loss if the chaplains were not there and available? For them, <laughs> that's a that's a great question. Um, I've met some really great chaplains, and I've met some really bad chaplains. Mm. So it really depends on the <laughs> chaplain. Uh, in theory, the idea of the chaplain corps, I think, is essential. Yeah, um, but it really depends on the chaplain because um, some chaplains are are worthy to be trusted, and some are not. You know, mm. so and it, and it, is there a vetting process for becoming a chaplain in that regard? I mean, it's because you don't have like a a pastor overseeing, you know, who becomes a, a deacon or something like right, that. Right. How, how does that work? Um, you want to? No, you uh-huh. go ahead okay. and address that. Yeah. So you you just went through the process. Yeah, I'm a little yeah. more recent. Although it was six years ago. Right? <laughs> just went through the. <laughs> yeah. It tells you how long he's been in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, basically, you have to be in. Uh, you, you have to have a MDiv, a, a master's degree level. Um, you know, uh, degree, and then you have to be in ministry for, uh, I think at least three years, three years. Yes. And, uh, pastoral experience, right. Pastoral experience. And then you can start the application process and then it's, you know, there's a couple different tracks. You can do what's called the the chaplain candidate program where you kind of get in and then you get your ministry experience during reserve time type thing. Um, but uh, but the normal way is, is you have your experience, you have your degree, then you apply, and then there's there's multiple a little, steps. So to it's that. a little bit more involved than just you can't just go right out of high school. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you got to go to to DC, get get interviewed by a panel of chaplains, and and you know it's it's quite the process. Then you got to be commissioned as an officer. So okay. Yeah. My guests tonight are Bob Freiberg and John Freiberg. A father and son chaplains that serve in the military and um, we're just hearing their story and what they've been through and how they get the opportunity to share the gospel with those who are serving our country and uh, potentially uh, laying their lives on the line for our country so big blessing stay with us we'll be right back before i bring my need i will bring my heart not all home inspections are created equal. Joe DeMars and his team at Housemaster have performed inspections in San Diego for 22 years plus and performed over 10,000 inspections for commercial, multiple family, apartments, and residential. Call before you buy or sell. You'll have confidence knowing the true condition of the property. Call 619-660-7866, San Diego.housemaster.com. Home inspections, done right, guaranteed. 619-660-7866. How can you live in San Diego and miss out on enjoying the water? Fastlane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. FastlaneSailing.com. 619-650-7866. 
for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer, in San Diego, every Sunday, 4 to 5 p.m. And you can stream the show at am1170theanswer.com. My website's educateforlife.org. If you like the show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes. You can also uh, watch the show, actually, on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where you can actually see what we look like here. Yep, we're wave, waving to the camera here. And uh, You want to explain <laughs> about the uniform? Yeah, so <laughs> John John uh, has his uniform on here. He's the son. He's real responsible. That's right. Bob, on the other hand, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Hey, that's that's a total joke. Not not reality at all. Uh, why 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 what happened here, guys? Well, John and I were talking about coming into the show yesterday, and what had happened is is you know I said uh, make sure you wear your uniform, and he says, well, I was going to wear my civilian, and I said, well. So I wasn't going to sit there and argue with him. So I figured, okay, if I wore the uniform and he was in civilian, you know, it would make him look bad. Well, so I figured, okay, we'll both be civilian. Well, of course, I'm in civilian now, and what happens? We always, when you do things like this in the military, you always wear your uniform. Okay. Well, anyways, as you can see, John's wearing his, and I'm not wearing mine. So the real version is... Give me a break. At the end of the conversation, I said, we'll see... All right, so I never said I was going to wear my civilian clothes. That's right. And I decided to be gracious and oh, accommodate. <laughs> and uh, and so... Hey, you know what? Yeah. Bob's retiring soon anyway, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. So Yeah, we're, we're what are they going to do? Are they going to give me a bad haircut and send me to Iraq? Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's already happened, so, so not a problem. Yeah, so that's my next question here, guys, is uh, what kind of stories do you have where, um, you know, you're a... Ch- you're, as far as I understand it, you're not actually involved in actual combat but you are there right in the trenches wherever they are going. What, well, what, see, that's that's a difference, too, is, is between us and regular counselors because yeah. we go where they go. Uh, we deploy. Uh, we go on ships. Uh, for instance, I've, I've uh, broken the sound barrier in, in, in jets. I've, I've been deep in the ocean on subs, uh, been on, on carriers and everything, and so we go where everybody else goes. And those are the times because we're there, uh, you know, you walk through the spaces and they go, hey, chaps, do you have a minute? So then, you know, we're right there. We're able to talk with the folks. And uh, um, that's that's kind of like Jesus and the disciples. It's like, you know, wherever they go, yeah. you know, it's right there living with them, eating with them, breathing with them. We call it ministry of presence. But the thing is, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's that's how you deal with them. We're not isolated from them. And so because of that, that's why, you know, we get a chance to talk with atheists and agnostics, people of different faiths. And because we're able to, to do that and we're rubbing shoulders with them. That's where all the interaction comes from, yeah. and it's it's usually very fruitful. Yeah, I mean, they say uh, even in parenting, uh, not that this is like a parenting relationship, but in any relationship where you're kind of mentoring, discipling, um, you have to take advantage of the moments where you're living and interacting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not all this theoretical, just talk, talk, talk. It's actually got to be lived out, and so they actually get Amen. to see you uh, living out your Christianity in very adverse circumstances, right. to say the least. You. Um, Bob, you you mentioned that uh, you're actually mentioned in several books uh, because of some of the experiences you've been through. Can you share with us uh, a little bit about that? This book here, Fearless, The Undaunted Courage and Ultimate Sacrifice of Navy SEAL Team 6 Operator Adam Brown um, and some others. Well, I've had the opportunity and privilege of basically I've, I've, uh, you know, 
one of the things when you're in the Navy, you're on the cutting edge of history. And so a lot of these, these guys that movies have been made about, I actually knew them and talked about them and, uh, you know, dealt with them day, day by day and moment by moment. And that's the fun part about it because, you know, you can bring a different perspective in their life. Now, I recommend I recommended that book to you because yeah. it's really interesting because Adam is the story of a guy that he's not only a Christian, but he goes through. He's a committed father. He's a committed husband, uh, committed American. Uh, but basically, he overcame all sorts of obstacles. And it's the idea that through Christ, I can do all things. Mm. And uh, he... He, first of all, had a lot of trouble uh, even getting into the Navy. He had to get a waiver because he was a drug addict. So then once he got into the Navy, then he figured, well, maybe I'll try another hurdle. So he became a SEAL. And then as a SEAL, he ended up uh, just all sorts of things happened. One of them, he lost the sight in one eye from an accident. Another one, he uh, lost his trigger finger. And it's a story about overcoming anything, overcoming obstacles. And so he ended up uh, becoming a, an operator in SEAL Team 6. That's fantastic. That book, if anybody's, uh, if you're listening and you're and you're interested in reading a incredible book about a, a a guy who you know overcame a lot of obstacles, he was a dedicated Christian. The book is Fearless. It's a New York Times bestseller. The Undaunted Courage and Ultimate Sacrifice of Navy SEAL Team Six Operator Adam Brown, and um, definitely recommend you check it out. So you're. You were actually a part of the – you were a chaplain for the SEALs for a while. Yes, I was uh, the force chaplain. You, okay. Yeah, so basically all the chaplains – at that time, we only had four uh, four chaplains for, for all the SEALs, but they were a lot – there was a lot less SEALs at this time. They, they've since grown because of the war. And How many like SEALs were there at that time? Um, if I remember right, I think there was 3,000. So four chaplains for 3,000? I mean, that, that was the support. That was the support and, and all that. There were two on the West Coast and two on the East Coast. Okay. So, um, so that's a lot of work for t- for uh, four guys. It was, it yeah. was, and uh, very intense. But it, uh, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything else. I mean, it was it was wonderful, wonderful ministry because when you're there's something about when guys are going through what they did, you have a real open forum. I mean, they'll listen to things because yeah. some of the stuff they've been through, you know, uh, uh, it affects everybody. Just keep in mind. Seals are people, just like everybody yeah. else. You know, the thing is, is they have certain, uh, you know, certain skills that that you know exceed, and they are good at what they do. Yeah, you know, the training. Uh, but but again, a lot of I still have some seals that are that are good friends to this day. That's fantastic. And what are some of the um, what are some of the most memorable moments for you, or that you can share, uh, where where you were either you had the opportunity to share with somebody in a pretty intense way, or an experience where you know you yourself were on your knees praying, God. Hey, get us out of this situation. Well, how it kind of started is when I was with the SEALs, uh, I remember the, the commanding officer uh, of one of the squads came to me and he said, you know, chaps, I got this guy. He's retired. He's a Vietnam veteran. Can you help him out? Mm. And so he, so I said, sure. The guy talked to me. And I just sat there, and it was a four-and-a-half one-way conversation. And he talked and talked and talked. And I was just sitting there, and I'm just going, Lord, help me out. I just, you know, this is incredible. And the stuff he told me, I had never heard before. I mean, you know, I said, I didn't even know this stuff existed. You know, the stuff he went through and yeah. experiences. He didn't know how to go through it, and it was obvious. And this is after 20 when you years. Say, when you say the stuff he went through, you're talking about uh, the combat experiences the he combat had? combat yeah. experiences and what he, what he had done, what he had experienced, what he had seen, uh, friends that had died. And so he still didn't know how to process it. He didn't know how to put it through. I mean— after all these years, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. You know, he was he was uh, drinking heavily. Mm. You know, we call it self-medicating. And so, anyways, what happened is, essentially, uh, at that time, 
I, I told him, I said, well, you know, let me, let me tell you, there's a different way of looking at things. You know, um, uh, are you religious? And he says, well, you know, I grew up in the church, but, you know, I, I haven't done that. It didn't do any good. And yeah. he, lost, he had lost his faith. And so what we did is we walked through and we talked about the gospel and the power and, and basically uh, forgiveness. And forgiveness was a built big thing because in, in combat, sometimes people do things that they really regret mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, it's a would have, could have, should have. And that is that to me also that I found out in my research later on is that uh, uh, the guilt just just eats people up, and there's there's no psychology, there's no behavior cognitive behavior therapy that a person can go through that takes care of that because it's a values neutral uh, based kind of approach. But if you take a spiritual standpoint and say, well, you know, there is a right and wrong, and let me tell you. There's forgiveness, and the forgiveness is, of course, through Christ. Yeah, and, and some, somebody's got to be there to offer that forgiveness, too. Yeah, and, and so what had happened is this guy got better, and I still remember the, the very next day he called me over. He was telling me basically, uh, I won't go into details what he had told me because it was so bad. Yeah. Um, but what happened is after I had witnessed to him and talked to him, and he, he did become a Christian. He trusted Christ as the Savior, and uh, that the very next day he says, Chaps, that was the first good night's sleep I've had in over 20 years. Oh, that's fantastic. And so, you know, he was a completely different guy, and so his life completely changed. And I still remember talking to his wife, and she says, what did you do to my husband? I mean, you know, <laughs> where, where is he? I mean, you know. So that started it. So all of a sudden what happened is I got more business than what I could, I could handle. And I was way out of my league. And so at this time, that's when I went back to school, and I, I got my doctorate and did a lot of research in this kind of stuff. Okay. Ah, that's awesome. My guests tonight are John Freiberg and Bob Freiberg, father and son chaplains in the military. And stay with us. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk about more about what the military needs. How can you pray for the veterans? How can you pray for our uh, service personnel uh, out there around the world and here in our country? We'll be right back. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Do you have one-button espresso machines in your home or business? They make delicious coffee drinks, but they're not maintenance-free. Express Fix Coffee is San Diego's source for coffee and espresso machine repair, sales, and service. Call Dave Martin at Express Fix Coffee for new and used espresso machines, repairs, parts, and accessories. They'll save you time and money. Call Express Fix Coffee at 619-867-3853. Learn more at ExpressFixCoffee.com. There's got to be more than going back and forth From doing right to doing wrong Cause we were taught that's who we are Come on. Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. We're on AM 1170, The Answer in San Diego. My website's educateforlife.org. And uh, that, that website has all kinds of resources for helping you make good decisions and uh, looking at the Bible and saying, okay, uh, in light of the Bible, what should I do in this particular situation? And my guests tonight, uh, Bob Freiberg and John Freiberg, um, 
are both military chaplains who are trying to help uh, soldiers deal with a lot of the issues that they face that are unique to their to their lives. Um, and if you if you know anything about the military at all, you know that uh, there's a lot of trauma that's experienced by people who serve in the military. A lot of people go through a lot of different things. I have quite a few relatives who who uh, were in some pretty intense uh, situations. Um, and so I wanted to start off the, this segment by asking you, um, John, uh, what, what for our listeners out there, what can they pray for? How can they help uh, or encourage um, through prayer or even other methods? Um, what, are these, what do the veterans need? Yeah. Um, I mean, these are going to be kind of broad brush sure. things, but uh, uh, I would say just, just reach out and spend time talking with them, mm-hmm. listening, um, just being a friend. A lot, a, a lot of these uh, young Marines, young sailors, it's the first time away from home. Uh, they, they've never been to a big city. Uh, they, you know, they've never been overseas, Where, wherever you're at, um, reach out to them and, and try to connect with them. Um, I think also the church can do a lot for these, these veterans, um, bringing them in, uh, incorporating them into the body, uh, into the family life of the church. Now, is there a way that the church can actually, you know, kind of go out there and rather than waiting for them to come to the doors more be uh you know more welcoming in, in reaching out right um again uh, it kind of depends on the context mm-hmm. i'm thinking san diego just yeah because there's a huge military community here yeah and there's also a ton of great churches in san diego um you know working working through the chaplains um that that's a great great start and because a lot of times i have uh, people coming in for counseling and i have churches to recommend but a lot of times you know they're in East County and and they live in the barracks on base and, yeah. and they don't have a car and um, yeah so so just getting creative um, th- there are some good so churches. maybe churches up uh, in Oceanside that area or Oceanside yeah. uh, in IB um, you know close to Coronado Thirty Second Street okay all those areas yeah okay and there are some churches that are doing that yeah um, the the key is I think just individual relationships so discipleship uh, teaching teaching these uh these junior sailors as well as as you know sailors that have families um that's a huge one too when they deploy yeah they're gone six nine eleven months at a time and a mom's home with the kids mom's home with the kids in a place that they've never been before deployments are getting longer and longer now right why is that well it's it's cheaper okay uh, and to bring flying people back and forth all the time right yeah yeah, so supporting the family is huge. Um, so, are you feeling the military cuts? That is that is that. Um, oh yeah, having an impact as yeah, far as not not so much John because he's operational, but like with me because I'm at at the chapel. Uh, chapel programs were the were the last in the food chain when it comes to the chaplain corps. And for instance, when I first when I first got there three years ago, we had billets for four chaplains. Well, now I'm it. You know, we're we're an easy target. We get cut. Mm. So that's just the way it is. But, but again, um, people aren't coming into the military like they used to. Uh, you know, when the economy is bad, people like to flock to the military. When the economy's good, well, then, you know, then it's harder to keep them. Sure. So uh, that's, that's one of the issues, too. But, you know, for various reasons, uh, that's what it is. Uh, one of the things that, you know, building on what John was saying, I still remember it was very, very hard during the Iraqi war. 
uh, you know, in Af- Afghani war, um, is that you had people that they would be deployed for six months in a war zone. They'd come back and they'd have to do workups because in six months they had to go back again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the whole pattern then when they came back, they hadn't processed what they had been through, but because of the, because of the high operational tempo, it created all sorts of havoc on family. You know, a lot of divorces, a lot of marriage problems, things like that. And so yeah. that's, John, John dealt a lot of uh, counseling that when he was in Okinawa, you know, with, with now, Marines that were doing that. Okay. Now, is that, is that what you're seeing uh, primarily is uh, when, when somebody comes to you, are they looking for help for marriage struggles or, or kind of PTSD stuff? Or, or what is it? Or is it just all over the board? Right. So when I was with the Marines, a lot of it was uh, combat-related uh, issues, um, coming back from deployment, you know, working with uh, the, uh, the recon guys, the, the Special Forces, uh, Marine Corps guys, uh, EOD, um, Explosive Ordnance, uh, that saw some crazy things. And, and the thing about warfare today is, is you could be getting shot out today and then tomorrow you're back home you know because it used to be like in world war ii you you get on a boat and you talk about it with your with your unit for the next month as you're sailing home kind of all, all, like a debrief kind of a, a right de-stressing kind of right and so one of the things that i would do in okinawa is i'd take these units and take them on a retreat and uh and try to help them process or at least give them some tools and one of the things that often came up and this again goes back to your previous question about how can how can listeners and and how specifically can the church reach out to uh, to these veterans is, is is give them a solid foundation in the gospel you know um, it, it, one of the main things that that people struggle with when they go into combat and they come out you know from my experience mm-hmm. is is the idea of justice mm-hmm. how could a good God allow this how could how could this be okay um, how can he have let this happen to me or or to my my buddy who got shot or how could he deal with me who did whatever horrible thing I did you yeah know? and so this idea of justice and, and bringing them to to the fact that God cares about justice God will deal with this in a just way yeah so so Whatever sin, whatever grievance, whatever happened will be dealt with either on the cross as he pays for it himself mm-hmm. or in, in eternity in, in, in hell. And so yeah. just kind of pointing them to that idea that, you know, the God of the Bible is not just this, you know, warm, fuzzy, hippie Jesus who, who wants to give you a hug. Yeah. He, he is a God of wrath. He's a God of justice. And and he and and that seems to resonate with especially a lot of the uh, the younger Marines and sailors who have kind of been raised in an evangelical culture in America that doesn't talk about the wrath of God, and then here they see the wrath of man, yeah, right in the face, and they don't know how to deal with it. That's a really interesting so, point yeah. that our culture has so dimmed down the justice of God, right. And that uh, it's almost like, hey, people get away with things. Right. Uh, that's right. that's very interesting. Well, people. One of the things that happens too is is people that live in an, uh, in a in a worldview without God, they go through these experiences and they can't define, they can't put it into perspective mm-hmm. that makes any sense. The puzzle pieces just don't fit. Yeah, it, it just you know, it's it's an existentialist type of uh, uh, religion and and feeling, and so. 
they don't have answers. So then when they finally come to us and we explain it in that thing, because we're created in God's image, deep down, like John said, it resonates. They know, they understand deep down, even though I may not believe it, this is something I do understand because yeah. that's who we are as people. Yeah. That's how we're wired. We're moral beings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. My guests this evening are uh, John Freiberg, Freiberg, excuse me, John Freiberg and Bob Freiberg, uh, two great guys, and really love the Lord and really love this country and really love the guys serving the country and the women serving this country. A uh, real blessing to have them on. We have one more segment left. Stay with us. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about a little bit about what the veterans need and uh, what's the next steps for both these guys and where are they going in life and how they see the Lord uh, moving them. So we'll be right back. Stay with us. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teaching. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. In 1947, Gordon Tucker began serving San Diego County families. Today, the family tradition continues with two stores, Tucker's Valley Furniture and Cash and Carry, both right across the street in El Cajon at Maine and Mollison. Whether you want today's modern, eco-friendly furniture or authentic Amish furniture from solid cherry wood built in America, let the Tucker family serve your family. Learn more at tuckersvalleyfurniture.com. A proud sponsor of Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. I will cast Welcome back to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My guests tonight are John Freiberg and Bob Freiberg. Bob is John's father. And uh, and John, uh, Bob, you told me earlier that, that John is kind of a miracle child, and really in more ways than one, right? <laughs> so uh, so you weren't expecting to be able to even have a child. And, and now, exactly. now, John, you've got four kids. And so... Uh, <clears throat> Um, pretty amazing, just your lives in general, your testimonies, what you guys have been through. Pretty exciting. Um, so you did your your doctorate in PTSD and dealing with PTSD. Is that correct? Well, basically what it was is like I, I had shared with you earlier that uh, I was overwhelmed because I didn't know how to handle a lot of these stories and these, these, uh, these veterans who were SEALs uh, yeah. during Vietnam. So what I did is I ended up, uh, I did start doing some research. I started talking to people in special forces in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. And uh, they all had a threat. And I found out, <clears throat> I found out those that had a faith background handled life and adjusting to life a whole lot better than those that didn't. Hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, everybody has their own faith and how they look at it and things like that. So what I did then is I, I got more, I went to, went to seminary and uh, got my doctorate and, and researched it and uh, did more interviews. And basically what I found out is in wartime PTSD, essentially it's a spiritual issue and it's not a, it's not a psychological one. It's a spiritual issue. And uh, this is one of the things that those chaplains that have been in combat that basically handle it like a spiritual issue, the guys that they counseled got better, even the ones that uh, were, were not necessarily religious. 
So break that down for us. What do you mean by a spiritual issue? <clears throat> I'm, I'm very curious. To- well, the root of the problem is what happens is, and, and see, this is one of the things, when these guys go to the counselors, mm. oftentimes what happens, the counselors don't have any combat experience or they don't have any military experience. <clears throat> and, excuse me, basically most of the stuff that they have is, is experience out of a book. Or, you know, maybe they've been doing this for a while. But the thing is, is um, uh, sometimes they're not even, they're not even religious. So, and, and again, they can't bring up moral issues. It's, it's neutral. Yeah, because, because uh, if you're being paid by the state and you're not a chaplain, you're, you're supposed to be exactly. neutral. Yeah, you can't make value judgments because oftentimes there's three, there's three ways that these guys in combat have, have been affected. First of all, is sometimes, you know, if you kill somebody, which is what we're trained to do, I mean, the Marines do a wonderful job in teaching and training people how to do what they do, and mm-hmm. they're the best in the world at what they do. But yeah. once they pull that trigger and they kill somebody, um, then they think about it afterwards. For instance, I had a gunny. Um, uh, he had suffered from PTSD. This is in the first Gulf War. And he was saying, he says, I bought into the party line hook, line, and sinker. I ended up, I shot this guy. I killed him. It was at the end of the war, and... I did what I did, and he says, I was elated. But about a year or two later, I figured, I actually killed somebody. And he started thinking about it. And uh, so what you do is you go through and you process this, and you've got a different perspective that's non-military, and what happens is you have to deal with that. And that's guilt. The mm. guilt comes in. And so that's again, the spiritual aspect is what That is saying. a spiritual I- issue. Now, how do you deal with guilt? Now, because guilt, if, just, to clear, just to clarify this, because if it weren't spiritual – there wouldn't be guilt. Exactly. Because because uh, the lack of spirituality is there's no morals is what exactly. you're saying. And so yes. because we feel guilt, you, this is the spiritual conscience kind of thing happening here. Exactly. Okay. And uh, uh, I've, I've gone through and theologically defined that in, in great detail because the Bible talks a lot about that, mm-hmm. you know, and the words, words that, that entail. But the thing is what happens now is, is you've got a morality. In other words, there's a right and a wrong. And a lot of the problems that people have is theodicy. They, they don't know how to deal with the question of evil. John mentioned a little bit about that. But the thing is, these guys have this guilt, and they don't know what to do it. They don't know how to treat it. They don't know how to get rid of it. And, and you see— And you guilt know, will kill you. Cognitive behaviorism, you know, is off the premise that you can't make value judgments. Mm. And so because of that— You can't you even know, tell somebody that they were wrong for— Exactly. —for killing somebody. Yeah. Wow. Well, not only that, and then there's also guilt that survivors, some of the people, all my friends were killed except for me. Mm. That's survivor's guilt. Another one is sometimes is you make a decision that causes somebody else to get killed, and then that's guilt too. And yeah. so what you do, you bring to the table, okay, how do you deal with guilt? Well, there isn't a sin that we've committed that Jesus Christ didn't pay for on the cross. Wow. And so what happens is the forgiveness the forgiveness is an extremely powerful tool in these kind of things. And once they see that and realize it, even if they don't make a decision for Christ, they see and they go, oh, okay. And you deal it on that aspect, they get better. That's incredible. That's, a, that's just uh, very, very uh, amazing to me. I mean, because it's just showing that the necessity of a chaplain, because here they're struggling with this guilt, uh, which really we all struggle with, but they're in a, an environment where that opportunity to do things that would cause you to feel very guilty is is very prevalent so and and see that's an issue we don't even we don't even address it in the military you know the idea about guilt because you're making a value judgment do you think that has something to do with some of the high the high depression and high suicide rates oh i i know it does yeah i i've got examples of that that i I can tell you yeah you know 
Cool. John, you were going to uh, share with us a little bit about what you share with some of the the guys that you counsel and, and, and so forth. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Navy doesn't pay me to evangelize, right? And so, so I don't, I don't go around, you know, trying to, uh, you know, make people read tracks or, <laughs> but uh, when people come to me for help, um, oftentimes, well, every time I, I'll get to a point where I'm, I say, okay, I can give you some basic tools. I can give you some, you know, communication skills, stress management, that kind of stuff. But really underlying this is, is, a, is a deeper issue, a deeper problem mm. that the Bible addresses, which we want to hear it. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm, I'm, I'm a chaplain. And so this is where I'm going to point you to. And, and nine times out of ten, they say yes. And, and so I, I usually um, will take them to uh, one of the places I take them to often is uh, Romans 8, which is where I go often for myself. <laughs> And, uh, and and I'll read to them um, Romans eight thirty one you know familiar passage. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So so Paul's asking a question there. If God is for you, then who can be against us? Uh, but but the question implied there is how do you know if God is for you yeah, or not? Yeah. And 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 then he, he he answers that he says he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And these sailors, these Marines, especially the young ones, they work hard. Yeah. They, they, you know, sometimes they go from a life of... We deal with the cream of the crop of America. We really do. Yeah. Our young sailors, Marines, I mean, you know... Yeah, just they work hard and they get way underpaid. Mm. And, um, and it's a hard life. And, and they, they face a lot of questions, a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of struggles, and, and so it's easy for them, a lot of pressures, it's easy for them to to be overwhelmed by these things. And and obviously these truths apply to everybody, but yeah. I find, found this to be really powerful, is, is that um, if God has already given you the thing most precious to himself, his own son, why would we doubt that anything else that he allows in our life is is going to be him abandoning us. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so, so if we can see the cross, if they can find their identity in the cross, then that empowers them and it gives them a, it gives them a context for all their suffering after that to say that, okay, if God has already proven his love for me more than anyone else could ever prove their love for me, yeah, then that means that any, any trial that I'm going through now is allowed by God because he loves me, mm-hmm. and, and it has a purpose. It gives a purpose to their pain. It yeah, gives absolutely. a purpose. That's a big thing. It's no, just not you know, meaningless. It's yeah. not an accident. It's not random. Yeah. And and that's uh, that's been something I go uh, almost every day. I tell somebody that. I think that's a powerful way to end the show. Uh, my guests tonight have been uh, chaplains, Bob Freiberg and John Freiberg. Uh, just two awesome guys. Please keep them in your prayers. Guys, thanks for being on the show tonight. Uh, Thank you. Huge blessing. And uh, please be praying for our veterans and our military. Uh, Like these guys have said, they need it, and they're working hard. So we'll see you next week, 4 to 5 p.m. Thanks for being here with us. Have a great night. 
Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, a regular feature on AM 1170, The Answer. Learn more about Kevin and his work online at his website, educateforlife.com. That's educateforlife.com. You'll find great resources, ideas, and even video classes there to help you grow and understand what in the world is happening. Encourage your friends to listen for great guests and intelligent analysis of the stories that shape our lives. Educate for Life with Kevin Conover, exclusively on AM 1170, The Answer. 